Hi again, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. I'd like to talk to you today about a book called Mormonism 101, subtitled Examining the Religion of the Latter-day Saints. The author, Bill McKeever, is the founder of Mormonism Research Ministry in El Cajon, so not too far from me, and uh, an author of other books. And this is a, an informative introduction to Mormonism. I really like what he does here. His, his co-author was Eric Johnson, also works with Mormonism Research Ministry. And what they do is they just walk through the main points of Mormonism theology and compare it to Orthodox Christianity. What do the Mormons say? What does the Bible say? And it's a point-by-point -point study that does a really wonderful job, has uh, helpful summaries at the end. And what they're taking on, of course, is the Mormon belief. Uh, for example, they quote Mormon Apostle Bruce McConkie. He says, Mormonism is Christianity. Christianity is Mormonism. They're one and the same. Uh, oh, no. They're not. The authors refute that. They go through the, the whole thing, the man-centered polytheistic theology of the LDS Church. And um, they quote Mormon leaders, which I think is really powerful. Instead of just saying what they think, they actually quote some of the Mormon uh, leaders. And it says, of course, the, the LDS Church has its own unique set of scriptures. Now, it does include the King James Version of the Bible, but they also add the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. Now, those are the standard works, but in their church manual, they state that in addition to these four books of Scripture, the inspired words of the living prophets in the LDS church publications can also be used to guide its members in the ways of truth. So, if that's the case, I really like what they've done, and they deal with the statements that have been come forth from those leaders. And the Mormons uh, feel they were called by God uh, to clarify their scriptures as well. So let's take one chapter here. By the way, let me tell you what all is in here. So first section is the examining the LDS concept of God, uh, concept of humankind, scripture, salvation, ordinances, revelation. Then they have some appendices at the end. So it's, it's a really thorough book. I thought maybe we could take a look at the chapter dealing with the concept of God. And I'm going to do the chapter on God the Father. Now it says, many lay people in the Mormon church uh, believe that the God they worship is the same one that Christians worship. Well, uh, the Apostle Bruce McConkie concedes that there really is a difference. He says things like the false gods of Christendom bear the same names as the true gods of the Bible. Beyond this, they have little resemblance. So, of course, he sees Christendom as the fallen away apostate church. And the true gods of the Bible are, guess what, the Mormon gods. And he says, uh, Lest, uh, and it be this is McConkie again, and it be it remembered that the gods of the creeds, which are the gods of Christendom, are just as false as are the gods of the Assyrians, Babylonians, Muslims, Amorites, Hittites, etc. So that's interesting. So then they go through in this section on God the Father of, of some of the concepts. For example, God the Father to the Mormons is not eternally God. Uh, Joseph Smith gave a message one time. He says, We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea. And according to Mormonism, Elohim, which is God the Father, or Heavenly Father, they call him, lived on a planet similar to Earth. And LDS Apostle Orson Pratt says, we were begotten by our Father in Heaven. The person of Father in Heaven was begotten on a previous heavenly world by His Father. And again, He was begotten by a still more ancient Father. So can you see this endless 
uh, regression there. Uh, here's another apostle, Orson Hyde. Remember that God, our Heavenly Father, was perhaps once a child and mortal like we ourselves. But of course, that goes uh, right in the face of what Christianity says. That's foreign to biblical Christianity. Uh, Mormonism says men and women were created to become gods and goddesses. Uh, Brigham Young said the Lord created you and me for the purpose of becoming gods like himself. So there's this idea of progression. You, you know, you end up as a god later on. Um, but um, what they do, I say they, McKeever and Johnson, what they do then is to give you some verses like Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Or Psalm 93, 2, Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. So there's the first uh, subset of their talk about who, what God is. He's not eternally God. Here's another thing. He's not immutable because God progressed to the position and the power that he now has. So here, for example, is a quote from uh, Milton Hunter in the church. If we accept the great law of eternal progression, we must accept the fact that there was a time when deity was much less powerful than he is today. But was that really what the Bible says? No. The Bible says God never changes. In fact, Psalm 102, 27, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. So there's no fluctuation in God's divine character. So that's different. Uh, but, quotes from, here's Mosiah and Moroni, books uh, from the LDS group. God is God from all eternity, from all eternity to all eternity. Wait a minute. And it also says, from everlasting to everlasting. Then you've got Third Nephi in uh, the Book of Mormon adds that he does not vary or change. Now, that's really confusing. Here are Mosiah, Moroni, Nephi, in the Book of Mormon there. They all say God does not vary or change, and yet, how did he exist as a man then? That's really strange. His Mormonism hinges on the idea that God is a glorified man, but that contradicts Mormon scripture. I didn't know that before. I thought that was interesting. Here's another thing they bring up, that God is not self-existent. And it's assumed in the Mormon faith that a myriad of gods preceded the LDS God and that he himself is an offspring of one of these gods. Okay? Mormonism's view of God is really unbiblical and it's illogical. How did the first intelligence elevate itself up to deity? So you've got a problem there. And, and they highlight this, which really struck me. Mormonism's lack of a first cause is what makes understanding this doctrine problematic. I mean, if you have God giving rise to God, then if you keep going backward, is that an infinite regression? I mean, what got this whole thing started? But the Bible says God is the first cause. Look at Isaiah 43.10. It says, I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. Isaiah 48.12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. There was no room there. He, he was not part of a creation process. Okay, here's another characteristic of a God the Father. According to the Mormons, he's not transcendent. Well, we believe God is distinct from his creation and the universe. Mormon le leaders, though, say he's an exalted human being, so he's part of this universe. Uh, let me skip to another part here. Oh, writing for the LDS magazine Ensign, there was a professor in 1996 who said, 
Knowing what we know concerning God our Father, he is an exalted and glorified being that he was once a man and dwelt on an earth. Not our earth, right? Did you, did you catch that? Dwelt on an earth. Um, God is not omnipotent for the Mormons. Here's an apostle again, Orson Hyde. There are lords many and gods many, for they are called gods to whom the word of God comes. And they have taught that God is omnipotent, but that isn't really true. I mean, who's the most powerful? Because Mormonism is a polytheistic uh, belief. So which one of all these gods is the most powerful? Even as gods, exalted Mormons are going to be subservient to Elohim. Well, in the same way, Elohim will never rise above those gods who preceded him. And yet Job says, I know that thou canst do anything, everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. So God of the Bible does whatever he pleases. Everything with him is possible. He's omnipotent. He doesn't answer to anyone. And they give a lot of verses here for that. God's not omnipresent for the Mormons. Why? Because he dwells in a finite body. Brigham Young, a pretty good authority for the Mormons. Some would have us believe that God is present everywhere. It is not so. Huh. Well, that's not what uh, the Bible teaches. In First Kings and Proverbs and Jeremiah, John, they have all these verses here that show God is omnipresent. For example, First Kings 8.27. Here's Solomon. Behold, the heaven and heavens of heavens, a heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. In Proverbs, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Jeremiah says this, chapter 23, Am I a God at hand, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? So, I like it at the end of the chapter, by the way. They <clears throat> always have a conclusion, kind of a wrap-up. So, the God of Mormonism versus the God of Christianity. Okay, so the God of Mormonism was once a man. He's not always been God. That's not what Christianity says. He is eternally God. The God of Mormonism was not the first God. The God of Christianity says, yes, uh, the, he was the first cause of all things. The Mormon God organized matter that was already there to create the world. But the God of Christianity created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. The God of Mormonism cannot be in more than one place at once. The God of Christianity, he can be present everywhere. So it's pretty frustrating when the Mormons wrap themselves up in Christianity when they want to. Oh, yeah, we're just part of the, the Christian religion. No, they're not. Those are some pretty basic differences. All right, then I'm going to have you jump ahead here uh, toward the end of the, the whole section. I'm skipping the part about uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and, and, and things like that, other aspects of God, the Trinity, I'm just going to go to the last section. They give uh, something every chapter called Witnessing Tip. And I thought this was really good. It says you can just use a few chapters from the book of Isaiah and you can show the true attributes of God to a Mormon. And you sit there with a Mormon and say, look these up in your Bible. So they play a little uh, Q&A here. For example, a Christian might say this. I've heard it said that Mormons believe that as man is, God once was, as God is, man may, be, may become. Do you think there was a God before Elohim? And the Mormon will probably say, yes, that, that's what we've been taught. Christian says, could we look at the Bible to see if this is true, that there have been gods before Elohim? The Mormon's probably going to say, sure. Christian says, take a look at Isaiah 43.10. It says here, quote, Before me there was no God form, neither shall be after me. 
And the Mormon answer is, well, that refers to this world. There are no other gods that we worship except Elohim. That doesn't mean there couldn't be other gods, the Christian says. But it doesn't say formed in other worlds before me. It says there will be none formed after him. Doesn't that sound like God's the only one? And the Mormon's probably going to stick to his guns there, but God isn't the only God, just the God of this world. And then I think this is a really good tact. The Christian can ask, well, would it be logical to say that God would know about these other gods? Oh, sure, the Mormon would say. So then the Christian says, well, could you turn to the next chapter here? We were in Isaiah 43. Let's go to Isaiah 44, 6. What does it say here? I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And the Mormon says, well, again, we're talking about other gods in this world. But then the Christian says, okay, well, let's go beyond Isaiah 44, 6. Look at verse 8. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And then you can ask, does God know of other gods besides himself? And the Mormon's going to have to say, well, that, that seems so. God doesn't know of any other gods. The Christian said, but that's the problem. The God of Isaiah makes it clear that he doesn't know of any other gods. That means God is one and there is no other. And that's the theme all the way through Isaiah 43 through chapter 46. That's the same theme. And then they give you even a few other verses that you can take a look at. Isaiah 45 verses 5 and 6 and 21 to 22. And Isaiah 46 verse 9. That says you may also want to include the points that God doesn't change from a man to a God. You can use Malachi 3 6. But really, he's the God from everlasting to everlasting. That's Psalm 90, verse 2. So I really enjoy this book. Uh, these people have a, a wealth of experience that have been uh, with working with Mormons. And they have practical tips at the end of each section. This is a really valuable resource to understand your Mormon friends and neighbors. And a guide to reach out with to them with a lot of respect. I mean, they, they really care for the Mormons. This is not a gotcha kind of book. So one more time, it's called Mormonism 101. Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Something you might consider, especially if you've got some Mormons near you, and there are a lot of Mormons in the area that uh, need to hear about the true God and the true Jesus. All right, well, thanks. Let's do another podcast soon.